to Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Blacklight Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Thank you, Elizabeth, for coming on Black Light Mass Incarceration Show and sharing your knowledge with us about trauma and ancestral trauma. And so without further ado, I'll let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Thanks so much, Sierra. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for letting me share with your audience. And I look forward to sharing your audience, you with my audience as well. I'm a stress management specialist trauma-trained and yoga-informed addiction recovery coach and ancestral clearing practitioner. Uh, I work with uh, people in recovery from addiction who are dealing with uh, chronic pain, trying to stay clean uh, in the face of chronic pain, chronic pain being any pain that's felt 15 days out of 30 for three months or more. Any pain, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, it's all the same to the brain. It sends the same, same signal, it hurts. The brain can't tell the difference between a broken bone and a broken heart. I work with that population. That's kind of where I'm, I'm focused. I do have this yoga ba- background. It's, it's really based in yoga and polyvagal theory, the neuroscience of the body to try and, you know, can we just, can we just come back to reg- a regulated nervous system as we get so like dysregulated, uh, activated in um, when in a trauma where we're not resolving it, and the work that I do helps helps to bring us back to some kind of grounded state, and, and then we can learn. <laughs> right? So I work with that. Also, the ancestral piece. I have been working with Ia Afo in uh, healing historical trauma. She has a beautiful. Uh, program is about a 48-hour uh, training in healing historical trauma. So I have that piece. But what we find in the in the generational trauma is that we're actually able to measure epigenetic changes in the body, in the physiology, because of unresolved trauma from one generation to the next. Uh, Rachel Yehuda and her team uh, did work on people that were, she did a, a, a study looking at people that were descendants of, of people that were in the Holocaust and found that their cortisol levels were different. So they, they're not as resilient. And that was significant. She's gone on and, and now has a, a develop, her team has developed a, a test that can actually measure the level of PS, PTSD in the body, which is, which is astonishing. Right? So, so science, see, we've known spiritual teachers have been telling us this for thousands of years that we come into this life with the gifts and the burdens of our ancestors and science has finally caught up to that. Right. Right. So it's, it's really important that we address, yes, we have to address individual trauma, but we have to do it in a collective and from the viewpoint of the collective the culture uh, that the individuals growing up in and the burden that the weight that that culture is carrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That is important. Um, so I want you, a lot of people don't know about the polyvagal theory. Even I've heard some psychologists say that they have heard of it, but aren't taught that in school. So can you kind of give us um, an example or kind of just tell us, explain us through what the polyvagal theory is and how it's used? Sure, yes. It's um, it's a theory developed by Dr. Stephen Porges, who breaks down that, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, you can get hours and hours and hours and hours of training on this stuff. Um, but the, the, the kind of the thumbnail is, is that the 10th cranial nerve, the vagus nerve, which is polyvagal, is, is uh, you know, named after the vagus nerve. The 10th cranial nerve is called the vagus nerve, and its vagus means wandering or wanderer. And it it's actually comes uh, out of the 10th cervical vertebra, but it, it goes uh, up into the face, the ears, the throat, and down into the heart uh, and the lungs, and then down into all the organs. The oldest part of the vagus nerve goes from the, the inner organs up to the heart. And then the newer part of the vagus nerve is from the heart up into the, up into the face and the ears. And why is that important? It's important because the vagus nerve has two basic uh, jobs, really. It's our threat assessment system and our social engagement system. So you and I, right in this moment, we're talking and our minds are, are engaging and our bodies are talking to one another. Our vagus nerves, your vagus nerve and my vagus nerve are trying to determine, is this a safe place for us? And if it's not, we get activated. We actually feel it in the body. We actually feel, we'll feel tension. We might feel some heat rising. It's a warning. We go into um, what's called fight, flight, freeze, or shutdown mode. That's our activated. That's our threat assessment. That's We're under threat, and that's how we handle that. Social engagement piece of it is you're listening to my voice, the intonation of the voice, how loud the voice is, how quiet the voice is. Uh, we're actually seeing each other. You're looking at the way my my mouth moves, the way my eyes move, kind of the whole that whole thing. So there are ways that you can engage. A grounded way of of applying this information is when I'm teaching a trauma informed yoga class, for instance, or with a, a, really at this point, I'm kind of used to the first thing I do when I get in conversation with somebody is try and assess their nervous system, the state of their nervous system, right? And then I try and adjust. You and I right now are talking to one another, but we're also co-regulating with one another. We're helping each other stay in a reg regulated state. Yeah, when I teach, when I'm working with someone who has trauma or I'm in a trauma-informed yoga class, I'm very careful to, first of all, we wouldn't put everybody one row and then another row and then another row. We put everybody in a circle so they don't have to worry about behind. who's behind them, right? Mm -hmm. That's that would be one thing. Another is be careful, be careful not to talk in a monotone voice because that's not normal, right? You want to have a little bit of um, a little melodic into the voice. You want to have it in, in such a way that feel that there's confidence there. Mm -hmm. And so that's another piece. Another thing is you wouldn't actually um, look at somebody directly in their eyes and hold their gaze. You could 
you could connect with them with their eyes, but then you would look away because if you stare at someone, that can be seen as the threat. Mm -hmm. So there are all of these little things that we do that the, the nervous system's already already organized. The vagus nerve already knows what those signals are and react. Uh, we react uh, w without thinking. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad that you went through that um, to kind of give people an overview um, of what the polyvagal theory is. And so it's important to keep your, your vagal nervous system um, balanced and regulated because it can not only cause um, other mental health disabilities, but it can cause physical disabilities because I know that my, my dad had um, a problem with his vagal nerve. And so basically the, the blood wasn't pumping like it wasn't regulating his system enough. So he would have syncope, and so he would just pass out at any moment because the polyvagal nerve was just unbalanced, so unbalanced. And so he developed syncope um, from that. And then you can also develop non-epileptic seizures like I had um, due to just the inregulation of your vagus nerve and your, um, your nervous system being so unregulated because trauma causes your body to be way out of regulation. You have a lot, you, and, you can, and, and once you start really healing yourself, you can start to feel that extra energy in your body. You can feel it running through your body. And so being able to reset your vagus nerve calms the body and it gives the mind a signal to say, okay, we're in a safe place. You know, you can start to go down to your rest and digest, which is your para, uh, parasympathetic system. And so that's very important that we keep that regulated. I don't think a lot of people understand how important it is to keep your, your vagus nerve regulated. And so is, and is it one of the biggest nerves in the body or am I wrong? That's a good question. I'm actually not sure that answer. I know that it goes, you know, a lot of places. And also, I think the most interesting thing related to what you were just saying that I found astonishing was that the the breath remember the vagus nerve goes into the lungs mm -hmm. and the heart mm -hmm. right so the breath is the quickest way that i know of other than getting in front of somebody who's regulated when i'm unregulated <laughs> right but if you don't have that option breathing but if i'm if i'm by myself and i you know i get activated now and I do. It's not like I don't get activated. It's just that I come down quicker. I come back into regulation much much more quickly because mm -hmm. I I know how to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. The breath, <laughs> a long deep breath, is probably the quickest and most uh, efficient way of coming back into regulation that I know of. We're we're actually activating the. What happens in when we get um, activated is we tend to hold our breath. Part of Part of that activation is ah, I'm 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 afraid, so I, I hold my breath. So the antidote to that, the way we hack the nervous system, is to is to let that breath out. If we have enough presence of mind, to let that breath out and take five or six long deep breaths, and you'll feel the nervous system start to settle, and you'll also feel the mind start to settle. settle. The mind follows the breath. So if you start, you know, when my mind starts getting uh, agitated and crazy, I know that I've been shallow breathing and I, I, I need to, you're right, which we do during the day because, you know, it's, it's not like I'm consciously breathing all the time. Mm -hmm. 
so that's a, that's a to me that was wonderful because I I had a quick a quick way of coming right back to center, uh, no matter kind of what was happening in front of me. Also, too, once you start connecting your mind with your body, it's easier to start doing the breathing regulations and kind of bringing yourself back down. Because I know even me at first, when I was going through a lot of the things I was going through, they'd be like, well, breathe, use your breathing exercise. And I'm like, well, this isn't working. This isn't, it's not working because my mind wasn't connected to my body for me to regulate my body, my mind to regulate my body. So once I started connecting my mind with my body, then I could start to see like once I took the long deep breath and I would hold it in for like maybe two or three seconds and blow it out slowly, then I can see that my heart rate for one was going down. Two, my breathing was a lot longer and it was a lot, you could inhale better. And then it would, I could also just feel the stress coming out as I'm breathing, breathing out. I could feel the extra energy passing through my body. So it also has to do with being able to connect your mind with your body in order to. Yeah, let's let's it. talk about that for a minute, because I'm, yes. I'm 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 you're using some language that I'm trying to. Well, how would I say that so that so that anybody would understand the fifth grader would understand that maybe. How do you connect your mind to your body? Because isn't it already connected? And here's the answer that I see it is see if, if this if this resonates with you, if it fits with what you're saying. When we get activated the amygdala in the brain, the reptilian, the old part of the brain gets activated. And it's so powerful that our our thinking mind, the frontal part of the brain, actually, it, it, it doesn't have access. We don't have access to, yeah. to prefrontal, the prefrontal cortex, to the front part of the brain. That's our thinking brain. So we're actually disconnected from our thinking. So when we get activated, this is why co-regulation is so important. If we could get with somebody else that can help us. And it's also why it's important to have a regular daily practice as you're healing from trauma. I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm healed from a lot of it, but I don't plan on stopping my practice. Even if I feel like I'm healed, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> right. right. So every morning I have at least an 11 minute breath practice that I do that regulates the vagus nerve by having a regular practice, the nervous system gets retrained into a new way to live and the stress response, which gets out of balance and which is why the, the vagus nerve is, is activated. It gets dysregulated, dysregulated all the time. That's the stress response that's off balance. This regular practice helps get that stress response back into balance. And the thing is, is that because I have a regular practice, when I move on into my day and something happens and I get activated again, I remember more quickly to breathe. So somehow, because I had that morning practice, it gives me more access to the frontal part of my, the prefrontal cortex, even when I'm activated, if that makes sense. There's like, it's not as, I don't get as activated as I used to. It's not as disconnected as it was yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. So you're able to they're able to connect and not be unconnected as when you're traumatized and you're not able to regulate your body. You just well, I used to actually I used to actually dissociate. I used to just whoop, I'm not even here anymore. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> just, just how do I get out of here? Because I don't like here, right? So I really had to practice the body is safe. I had to get used to that. Um it took a while for me to 
feel that? You know, trauma, Dr. Gabor Mate talks about this and Bessel van der Kolk, these are both two both trauma, trauma specialists. They talk about trauma is not what happens to you. It ha- it's what happens inside of you because of what happened to you. And that's where the healing is. You see, does that make sense? That makes total sense. It does. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So something could happen to you and the same thing can happen to me. And we would, we might have very different uh, reactions to that. And, and that, ex- so- that explains why when, so this goes back to what I do when people commit certain crimes, you have some people that when they go through trauma, they lash out and they commit heinous crimes. And then you have some who are just able to, they use that as a motivation to be a better person. And so it depends on how you as a person takes that same kind of trauma and how you deal with it. That that makes perfect sense right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also what happens inside of us on many levels and the meaning that we're making. And I happen to have, interestingly enough, in this particular podcast, I happen to have a button around injustice. And so when I, I tend to get activated, uh, it's more likely that I'm going to get activated around an issue around injustice than any, pretty much any other thing, unless you're threatening with my kid. If you threaten my kid, it's all over. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> no one comes out. Yeah. <laughs> So that, that, and, 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 you know, I tend to light up inside like a fire around the, my injustice button. I just, I just like, I just get really hot inside and I have to figure out some action that I can take around that topic that otherwise I, I don't feel like I'm completely powerless around any particular injustice, but almost <laughs> around a lot of it, right? Because it has nothing to do with me. Right. But remember, we started out saying we have to heal individual trauma, but it's done in a cultural context. Right. So if I have a button around injustice, it's most likely like it's a button in the culture, too. And I'm part of the culture. So in my part of the culture, I have a responsibility to, to heal, you know, mm-hmm. do something well to heal myself. But also, if there's some remedy that I can bring forward that will right that injustice, then that's. I feel like that's part of my work on the planet. And, and it is. That, that's how I feel as well. So um, I would like to talk about, I know you said that you do a lot of work with people who have addictions. And we know that a lot of times addiction is caused through pain, through whatever kind of pain, financial, physical, mental, generational. And so kind of speak to us with what you've experienced with the people that you've come across that have come to you for help that have been addicted and why they become addicted because I want us to start getting away from stigmatizing addiction and understand that addiction comes with trauma it's not that people just want to go out here and get high it's a way to try to instead of self-regulate yourself numbing and so trying to get people to start helping people self-regulate and not self-numb themselves is very important in, a, in order for us to get past addiction and help people grow and heal. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, so let's let's just go back to our original definition of trauma. Trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens is not of you because of what happened to you. And addiction is a disease of disconnection. So in trauma, 
we become disconnected with ourselves and we become disconnected with others because we can't share the experience that we're having inside about what happened to us, right? So we become disconnected and we also can become disconnected from from us, God, higher power, whatever you want to call that source of the creator, uh, big, uh, you know, great spirit, whatever that is. Uh, we become disconnected on three levels then, right? With ourselves, with others, with God. So addiction, so that happens in trauma, but it also is, is really what addiction is. It's a disease of disconnection. And we talk about in the addiction space, again, Dr. Gopal Mate talks about this. Uh, he's one of my teachers. He says, don't ask why the addiction, ask why the pain. That's, I like that a lot. Yes, that's, yes. Yeah, so that's, that's where we need to look at. So you're so you see somebody who's in active addiction, they're disconnected, they're suffering from trauma that they haven't been able to uh, resolve, and so it's a place of it's not a place of ridicule and oh my god that's a moral failing. That's not about that's not what it's about. It's about uh, having compassion and understanding that 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 person uh, needs help. Yes. They have they have some healing that they need to do and they need to they need they need some space to heal. Are you feeling unheard after a negative encounter with a law enforcement officer, sheriff, or correctional officer? Visit the Emancipate NC website to report your encounter. Any individual can use the Emancipate NC form to report a police encounter, upload video, photographs, or other evidence, and share their information with the U.S. Today's National Police Misconduct Database. Share it with your friends and family members and community. Our communities have the wisdom and the data we need to keep us safe from rude police. By crowdsourcing this information, we will be able to analyze departmental trends mobilize campaigns for accountability, and file more effective litigation. Remember, we keep us safe. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. How do you begin to heal people that have Well, I can tell you what, 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 what I did. I can tell you my experience. I was on a prescription pain medicine, medication and uh, anti-anxiety medicine for 32 years. Uh, because of a, a back problem that the doctors just couldn't solve, and that was the only answer they had was 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 those particular drugs. And the last fifteen years of that was fentanyl and Ativan. So that's pretty amazing. That really, I I feel like I'm a miracle that I'm that I'm still here because that's it wasn't just a little bit of fentanyl; it was a lot. Mm-hmm. So so number one, I realized I needed help. So an addict, you can't, you know, you. Interventions are okay, but the addict has to actually want the help. So that's kind of number one. We got to start there. So we reached kind of a bottom, and I and I reached a bottom where I was like, I'm so done with this stuff. And we would call that a sacred bottom because you finally, at that point, you're finally telling the truth. Oh, this is actually hurting me, this behavior I'm doing, right? This thing that I'm doing. We're actually telling the truth, whereas before, in our disconnection, deny, deny, look away, look away. Like it's everybody anywhere. else's fault. It's not mine. Yeah. 
so we're, 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 we, we make this switch. We're turning within and we're telling the truth. So that's kind of number one. Second thing was I actually went to treatment. Not everybody can get to treatment, but it's better now uh, than it used to be. And I went into a pain management program and they, first of all, they detox, helped me detox off the medication, which was amazing. Thank God uh, that was possible. And we did, uh, we did some Qigong actually to help uh, clear some of that uh, stuck energy. It, 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 it kind of feels like stuck energy in the, but built up energy in the body, the trauma, the vessel van der Koe coined this term, the issues are in the tissues. So it's important that we have a movement practice, an effective movement practice to help us gently move those that stuck energy, the issues out of our tissues, as well as we, we work with the mind. So first in the hierarchy of healing, first we have nervous system regulation. Second, we have connection. We need to feel a sense of belonging, belonging to ourselves, belonging to other, belonging to God. Maybe again, this feeling of belonging. And then, then we can learn. Healing happens in that order. Regulation, and Bruce, Dr. Bruce Perry coined this, uh, the way this alliteration, regulate, regulate, relate, reason. That's the order. So we have to heal in that order. You can't reason with somebody who's dysregulated. Regulated. They have to get regulated first, right? Mm-hmm. You can't reason with somebody who feels isolated. You have to, they have to feel a sense of belonging, belonging, right? And a sense of regulation, then they can learn, right? So they did that uh, in this treatment program. I was there for um, 52 days. I walked in with 40 years of chronic pain and I walked out 52 days later with no pain at all. And it was astonishing. I mean, I was astonished. I didn't even expect that. I just wanted to get clean from the medication. And this was kind of like, I didn't even know that would happen. The thing is, is that I wasn't the only one. Dr. Prescott in that program had a 94% success rate. And there were lots and lots of, uh, there were at least 20 other people in that program when I was there. The program's not, not uh, he's not there anymore, but still, it doesn't matter. There are doctors that are doing this work now around healing chronic pain and uh, getting clear from the medicine. And it's, it's a very holistic, uh, they brought a very holistic approach for me. So we, we, we recognized, this program recognized, you can't separate mind, body, and spirit. It's all mm -hmm. in one. So you have to look at the individual as a whole person. So the doctors are constantly looking at my back going, oh, your back's not going to heal. And I'm like, you know, they were missing. They were so focused on the physical back thing. They kind of missed the forest. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that's just their training. That's not a diss on the doctors. That's just that's their training. That's their orientation. And these days that 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 orientation is changing, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can agree with that because. Even with like my experience with the uh, non-epileptic seizures, they send you to a neurologist. And so the neurologist is like, oh, well, it's just trauma. So go to a psychologist. But now they actually have where they're working together because it's a nervous system and it's a psychological issue. So you have to work together on both ends. You can't just say, oh, well, the neurologist say, hey, well, just go to your psychologist and do CBT training. You'll be fine. No, it's way more than that. So you have to work on the nervous system and the nerves because once your body has been dysregulated for so long, it can damage your nervous system. And so, <laughs> me too. 
And so being able to work together to regulate both systems at one time is a more approachable prognosis than just saying, okay, we're just going to shoot you off to your therapist and then you'll be fine. You'll have to come back and see us. And that was my experience um, because they really didn't understand the connectivity between the brain and the nervous system. I don't think they just were you know, they're specialists and they just know about the nervous system and, and elements that cause you to have nerve pain or whatever, you know, nervous situation you're having. And so now that they've done more research and study, understanding that you have to heal everything. You can't just heal one thing and then go to the next. You have to heal it all at one time because like you said, your your body, your spirit, and your soul is connected. And so you have to heal everything at one time and not individually. Yes, and we talked earlier about conscious breathing affecting the mind, which is a really good example of when you do something physical, you affect the whole system. When you do something mental, you affect the whole system. When you do spiritual work, you're affecting the whole system. You can't separate those three out. You can, you can look at, if you looked at my x-rays, and I have a, a broken and displaced bone in the base of my spine, and I've got a bunch of hardware around it, which is the problem with the back. And it, it's fine now. There's no pain. But you can look, if a doctor looked at that x-ray, he would find, and that's his, that's his perspective. He's looking mm-hmm. at my x-ray, right? Right. He would find three different kinds of patients. One patient who had pain all the time. Another patient who had pain only when they were stressed. And a third who didn't have any pain at all. How do you explain that just looking at the back? You can't. And I've been all three of those patients, by the way, right? Yeah. So it's not about the space, the physical thing only. It's partly Mm -hmm. about that, but there's this bigger picture. And that orientation is just really important. Yeah, it is. So the other thing about recovery from addiction is we have to get in community. We have to be with other people that are in recovery that are maybe a little farther down the path than we are that can kind of help us help us navigate because we're we're literally teaching the mind body spirit system a new way to live. We're literally doing that, and in order to do that, you, I would say it's almost a requirement to get into community uh, to do it effectively. To you know, so that you your relapse possibility is is, is minimal. Minimal, mm-hmm. right? So. So that's another important piece that you asked about um, healing from addiction. Also, uh, another thing that I did was the body gets um, uh, gets very acid because of the the medication because of addiction, and so we want to we want to bring in foods that are alkalizing to the body. We want to get the, balance, the body like, ba- balanced again. So mm-hmm. there's a the big nutritional uh, piece that I that that I that I did. And also, as I said, um, we said earlier, movement helps get the issues out of the tissue. So I have this yoga. I, I learned a Qigong from Dr. Peter, but I, I kind of went into the yoga space, the trauma-informed yoga space, um, and I, I teach that now. But we, the program that I work with, Recovery 2.0, uh, which, is a, which is recovery, but it brings in nutrition. It brings in you know, 12-step work, community get a sponsor, all the things that, that um, people in early recovery do. And it brings in the nutrition element and the yogic element. So it's a nice blend. That's very important in yoga. And that's another thing that's helped me too, is stretching. That also helped me be able to connect my mind and my body when I was stretching and meditating at the same time. 
And then I could feel because a lot of times when we get when we get stressed, we get tense and we tense up in our shoulders and neck. Because I now at first I didn't know that I was always like this. But now that I've been able to self-regulate my body, I can feel when my shoulders are scrunched up or when I have too much tension in my neck. And so just doing simple exercises, stretching exercises, you can literally feel that extra energy that's in your body, as I said before, release. And so you feel so much better when you are releasing that extra energy that you have worked up from whatever has caused you to be anxious or um, have anxiety you can feel that. And so you're releasing that as you are connecting your mind with your body. And that also helps regulate your vagus nerve as well. So movement is very important. I make sure that I exercise because to me that helps get out all that extra energy. If I'm upset, then, you know, I can do hit or I could do kickboxing. And so I'm getting out that energy. I'm putting my, my body in stress because exercise is stress, but it's a good stress. And so it's getting that extra energy out. And then after I do long stretching and breathing and meditating to bring my body back down to the parasympathetic state. And so now that I've been able to do that, I can feel a lot of a lot of things. I know when I'm getting dysregulated, so I'm able to start breathing, um, doing some mindful exercises. Um, so, yeah, that it does. You would be amazed at how much just nutrition and um, exercising and doing yoga and stretching can really do wonders for your mental health. Absolutely. And I love your practice because you talked about uh, doing the physical exercise and then doing meditation. And we, we do the asana work, the body movement work in yoga, or just, you know, straight up physical exercise so that then we can sit quietly. Mm -hmm. And, and without without the body protesting, sitting quietly, mm-hmm. especially for us, uh, for those of us that have had trauma, when we get, remember, we talked about getting activated and you, you end up in fight, flight, freeze, or shut down. That immobilization, when we're sitting still and we're in early recovery from trauma, uh, depending on what our, what our natural strategy is for uh, dealing with, with trauma, a trauma response, having somebody sit still isn't optimal because you're putting them in an immobilized, you're putting them in a, in, in a stress, you're, you're mimicking the stress response, right? right. You're mimicking uh, that shutdown. So what I like to do in that space is I, I have them sit, but I have them do a movement. I have them moving and chanting. I, I have them uh, doing some chanting and a little bit of movement just a little bit of movement, just so that they're not sitting absolutely mm-hmm. still, so that then they can get used to, oh, this is this kind of meditation, and I'm going to get used to this, and it's a safe space. And then the body gets used to sitting more quietly, and you can ease into that. So it's, so it's, it's, it's important that we have some kind of meditation on board. It could be a walking meditation. But some kind of, you know, a slight movement, a chanted meditation, uh, a slight movement meditation. But the reason that we want to meditate is that in chronic pain and in trauma, the, 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 as we said, the stress response gets out of balance and the emotional center in the brain gets also out of balance and tends to be very negative. Like you talked about, oh, they're, they're all bad, or I'm all bad, or it's all bad, right? So we have this negative 
a marked negative bias and we have confusion and chaos in the brain. Meditation helps calm all of that. That's why it's so important. It's a, it's a, a hugely important in the in the healing space. Yeah, and I'm sure you've experienced that. And then even meditating, it, meditating positively, because then you're able to turn off the negative thoughts that you have, especially when you have PTSD, you kind of, you ruminate and you have intrusive thoughts a lot. So it's, it's really hard. And, and when you've had PTSD for a long time, like I have, or been in fight and flight for a very long time, like I was at one point in time, it's hard to turn that off. It's hard to turn off the negativity and the disassociation. So by you meditating and meditating with positive thoughts, then you're able to control, you're able to take the negative thoughts captive quicker than you were if you haven't worked on your meditation and worked on the positivity of the meditation. And that, I think that's another thing is just speaking positivity into yourself at, at all times and taking those negative thoughts captive. Because like I said, when you have PTSD, you can ruminate on a negative emotion for a very long time and it can turn very bad. So just the positivity, speaking positivity, affirmations, that was one thing that really got me together was I would I have daily affirmations on my phone. Like I had them to where they would come up every 15 minutes at one point in time. And then it got to where it was every hour. And so that helped me put me in a better mind state because I was speaking positively and not looking at everything from a negative mind stand. And so that did help me a lot. I can say that helped me a lot. Beautiful. Yeah, we say never complete a negative thought about yourself in your mind. Now, the first time I heard that, I was like, how do you even do that? It comes in so fast. I, I couldn't, I don't even know, like, how, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> how do we get there? And I was like, okay, please explain the grounded action steps on how to do that. <laughs> but I, I just kept working my process and doing my, you know, practice and the breath work and the movement work and the chanting work and and I, as you say, I became more aware, more sensitive to more aware of when I was getting agitated and uh, activated. I will say this about positive affirmations. I'm going to challenge you just a little bit. <laughs> Remember we talked about the the hierarchy of healing, regulate the nervous system, sense of belonging, then reason. Mm -hmm. Positive affirmations are at the reason level. So if the body is dysregulated, I don't care how what positive affirmation the mind is trying to bring in. If the body doesn't believe it, you know, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. is that your experience? Yes, yes. Because I tried that. They were like, well, be more positive. And, and I tried that and I couldn't do it until I started being able to train my body to react in a better way and not react in, I guess, a PTSD type of way. And so... At first, I couldn't like the affirmations were not working, <laughs> were not working for me at all. And then once I got from here to here to here, then I was able to the affirmations started really sinking in. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I, because if, if if we've got listeners here and they start, you know, working with affirmations and they're not, they don't have regulation in their body, you know what's going to happen? They're going to get frustrated <laughs> and it's going to make it worse. worse. Right? Yeah. So. First regulation, then sense of belonging, then you can reason, then mm -hmm. you can bring on those positive affirmations. 
another thing that was interesting in the neurophysiology world is, I can't remember who discovered this, but you could look it up. They discovered that negative thoughts are like Velcro in the brain. They're sticky, right? Real sticky. Mm -hmm. And positive thoughts are like Teflon. They just slide <laughs> right off. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, how does that even work? And I thought about it because I have a, I have this, you know, I have the science background. I don't think I talked about that too much, but I have a science background. And I, and I've studied evolutionary biology. So when you come to me with something like that, like the first thing I do is, how did that even happen? What's the evolutionary advantage of that? Like how did, that's in the system. It's got to have been in the system for a while. It's kind of like we talked about generational traumas is a gift that comes through, right? right? And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So we have this slightly negative bias to keep ourselves safe in the world. So something new happens and our first answer is no. It's unconscious. Our first answer is no. And we have to actually get this, the regulation belonging thing happening so that we can get to the, <laughs> to the reasoning part before we say yes, right? So it's an evolutionary advantage. This negativity, this little bias we have, that's an, that's an evolutionary. It keeps us safe in the world. It may not keep it comfortable in the world, but it keeps us safe in the world. Right. right. Yeah. So what I've been waiting to talk about is your ancestral healing. A lot of people know about what our ancestors have been through, but I don't think a lot of people understand that you can and you do carry trauma from your ancestors. So I want you to talk to our audience about ancestral trauma and how you can heal from it and, and what it actually does to the body, because I don't think a lot of people know about ancestral trauma. So I'm very glad that that is one area that you are have expertise in. Yes, thank you. Um, I love the work. It's so important. So we said spiritual teachers have been telling us for thousands of years, we come into this life with the gifts and the burdens of our ancestors. And science has finally caught up and sees that. Uh, we talked about cortisol levels being different for people that were descendants of the Holocaust survivors, so or people that had been in the Holocaust. Also, as a, I've been in this work, ancestral clearing, for nine years, and um, what what I'm finding, and it's not just me. Um, I have I'm, I have a connection to into some other like two other communities that do work that's like this, and what we find is that. Certain populations like indigenous Americans, Aborigines, and any, any, any of the Americas, anyone indigenous to North or South America, doesn't matter, it's kind of the same. African Americans and Irish have difficulty accessing joy. And if you think about that, and that's this generation, and if you think about that, you know, all the history of all the trauma that they've been through, it, it makes sense right? They're, they're just, it's like the trauma has been so profound that it's pretty much beaten the joy right out of the line. That's what we see. And in the ancestral clearing work that I do, it actually is, helps to lift the burden, the weight of all that to clear. It's why it's called clearing, to clear it so that people can then really uh, live in this lifetime, not so much affected by the past. 
and I'm happy to give your, your, your listeners an experience of this. I have a, it'll probably take about five minutes to go through a clearing, but you can have, it's one of the five techniques that we use and I'd love to be able to share it with them. Yes, I want you to. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, so everyone that's listening, uh, I, I would like you to just notice whatever sensation you're feeling in the body and let these words just wash over you. Infinite creator, all that you are, source of all that is, was and ever will be. We ask humbly and gratefully that you help everyone listening to this and all of their relationships and all their ancestors and all of their relationships through all relevant time, space, dimension, realms, lifetimes, and incarnations. For all the times they felt let down by family members, by life, by relationships, by anyone representing the Creator. For any time they felt let down by the Creator in any name or form. For any time they turned their back on the Creator or they felt the Creator turned their back on them. Please help all of them to forgive each other, forgive themselves, and be at peace with one another and at peace with themselves. Please and thank you. We use the word forgive to mean offering up to Creator that which no longer serves us. For all the times you weren't nurtured, loved, supported, and cherished, please help all of you to forgive each other and forgive yourselves. For the times you didn't nurture, love, and support others in the ways they needed. For any time you were out of integrity or others were out of integrity with you, please help all of you to release each other and release yourselves. Find peace with one another and find peace in yourselves, please and thank you. For all war, battle, holocaust, persecution, genocide, slavery, injustice, all of it. Any oppression, misuse of power, position, authority, politically, spiritually, medically, or in any other way. For any misuse of the power of the word, please help everyone involved to forgive and release one another. Forgive and release yourselves. Find peace with one another. Find peace with yourselves. Please and thank you. For all hurts and wrongs, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, sexual, financial, through thought, word, or action. All of you to another and another to all of you. Please help you forgive each other, forgive yourselves. For all that happened, no matter what it was, please and thank you. For all suicide, murder, rape, abortion, infidelity, miscarriage, all of it. Everyone involved directly or indirectly. For all that happened and all you made it mean. Please help all of you to forgive each other, forgive yourselves for the highest good. Please and thank you. For all hurts and wrongs to the earth, the life of the earth, native, indigenous, aboriginal, first nation people, please help all of you to forgive each other, forgive yourselves, be at peace with each other. And at peace with yourselves, please and thank you. For any time you believed, felt, or were shown you weren't enough. For the times you tried to earn or learn your way into the value of your family, your relationships, or into the grace and love of the Creator. For all that led up to this, Please help all of you to forgive each other, forgive yourselves, and be at peace with each other, and at peace with yourselves. Please and thank you. For all empathic hurts and wrongs, times you took on others' unresolved issues, shouldered their burdens. For all adversity, struggle, and hardships you saw, especially as children. Please help all of you to forgive each other, forgive yourselves, all family members, relationships, times this was done to you, times you did this to others, Please and thank you, infinite creator, all that you are, please and thank you. For the times you weren't shown or encouraged to stand up, speak up, and do things your way. For the times you didn't feel safe to say no when appropriate. Please help you forgive your parents, family members, and relationships, and help them all forgive you and help you all forgive yourselves, please and thank you. 
For all the times you were attacked, blamed, judged, and misunderstood, any times you did this to others. Please help all of you to forgive each other, forgive yourselves, now and forever, please, and thank you. For all hurts and wrongs, anything we could have inferred had it served the highest good, we infer it now. For all that happened and all you made it mean, everything that led up to hurts, wrongs, limitations, burden of any kind that's not serving the highest good. We ask all of you, everyone involved, to forgive your parents, grandparents, siblings, children, grandchildren, help them forgive you, help you all forgive yourselves, please, and thank you. Help you forgive your lovers, 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 spouses, spouses, lovers, parents, lovers. Help them forgive you and help you all forgive yourselves, please and thank you. Your whole family and lineage. Help you forgive your cousins, aunts, uncles, step-in-laws, hidden secret, foster, adopted, and all other significant people, beings, family members, relationships, role models, and authority figures. Help them forgive you and help you all forgive yourselves, please and thank you. Infinite creator, all that you truly are, please and thank you for the highest good. Please lift out all weight, pain, burden, sin, death, negativity, limitations, spells, hexes, curses, white magic, black magic, real or imagined, and all the energy, superstitious energy around it. Lift us into your heavens and transform it into your love and let your love flow back into them, all of you giving you complete and total empowerment, integrity, peace, and love. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. And take a breath in and let it out and just notice how that feels in the body. I love that. Um, and for the audience, which I should have said this before she started, but this is actual clearance, the actual clearing. This is the actual practice. And so if you have to rewind it, rewind it and sit somewhere quietly and listen and just really Tune into your mind and body and breathe deep as you're hearing these words come out of Elizabeth's mouth and just feel the, the lift when she's done. And so I really want my audience to reach out um, after you've listened to this episode and really tell us how you feel after you've heard that ancestral clearing. Um, because we know a lot of people, we do carry our ancestral trauma. A lot of, them, a lot of us don't know that, but we do. Um, and so it's important to also clear that trauma because if you've cleared your own individual trauma, but you still have that ancestral trauma, then you still are traumatized and that still can come out in your body, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, any way you can name it. And so Elizabeth, thank you. That was amazing. Um, and I'm sure I know that a lot of anybody that comes to see you that has that experience is probably left feeling renewed and just feeling mm -hmm. like a different person. Um, because like I said, we don't think about ancestral trauma. We don't think about holding the trauma of our ancestors at all. Beautiful. Thank you. I love, I love doing this work. We really don't know that we carry it until we don't carry it anymore. If we've done a process like this and we feel lighter, like what just happened? <laughs> oh, I feel lighter. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. So it's a, it's a beautiful process. Um, this is a, uh, by the way, this, I learned this from uh, John Newton of healthbeyondbelief.com. He actually is the one that teaches this. And uh, so anybody that's interested, you can go to his website. He has a kind of a program. And, and if you want to learn how to do it, you, you know, he's, he, he does trainings. And so I'm just, just making sure that, that he gets credit. Well, that's amazing. That is so amazing. Um, and I will, if you'll send me that, I will put that in the, the write-up so that they could go to your website and his website as well okay. um, to get more information about ancestral clearing and just 
does he does he have information about ancestral trauma so people can really get uh, he doesn't really use the word trauma i i use it <laughs> he doesn't use the word trauma for uh, for reasons that he's not really a trauma therapist he's not a therapist he's not a he's not a doctor i'm not a therapist or a doctor either but i'm trauma trained so i feel like i i'm actually you know okay to, to use the word mm -hmm. um but we're very careful in the space we don't say that ancestral clearing heals anything because we can't make claims, but we find that people feel better. We're very careful about the language there so that we don't step on uh, on toes of people that are licensed and so forth. Well, that's amazing. I thank you so much for sharing all your experience with our audience. Is there anything else you want to let them know before we get out of here for the day? Thank you so much, Sierra. I just like everyone to know that the greatest healer in your life lives within you. So doctors can set a bone and stitch up a wound, but they can't tell the body how to heal. It comes from within. It has it to come from, from you wanting to do it and wanting a change and just basically retraining your body how to react to anxiety and, and worries and things of the world and just how to better handle it instead of just, you know, being overwhelmed. And so um, this is why I wanted to do this show and, and do it with you because just under having people understand how bad trauma can affect you throughout your whole life um, and especially ancestral trauma as well. So I thank you so much and I hope that the audience enjoyed all of the good things that you said. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Elizabeth. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.